0: Welcome to Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, the Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever it is you may celebrate, we do appreciate you hanging out with us. I am Brayden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter.com, at Brayden Gall, and on
1: Blue Sky, at Brayden Gall. Uh, my name is Steve Gammondish. You can follow me on Blue Sky or Twitter or Instagram, at Scavendish. If you like this show and the sexy bass voice that I've got right now, Uh, rate review subscribe tell somebody Uh, but mostly just tell somebody that you know that you listen to lamestream and they should too
0: scott ramsey is our guest president of the nashville sports council and of course the music city bowl that's coming up between auburn and maryland i believe the uh, 27th edition, but the 20 the 27th year, the 26th edition, something like that. There was that one-off year in there that we all want to just forget about, which is okay. Uh, otherwise, really interesting conversation. Love talking to him about this time of year to get give everybody the layout uh, of what this game means to folks um, and what it means to the community. Over $400 million in economic impact, almost 100 million viewers over the course uh, of the history of this bowl game. And it has slowly but surely risen in the hierarchy of bowl games. And he is going to give you some actual news and information about what events the new Titan stadium will be targeting and what years to expect some of those events potentially to be coming to Nashville. So make sure you stay tuned very carefully to what Scott Ramsey has to say. Uh, Of course, always love talking to Scott. We do appreciate his time before we do that though, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville banner
1: sign up for good journalism, Nashville banner.com. Uh, Lame Stream sports is brought to you by who? Jaspers, always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers.
0: Uh, I do th- I do believe that I'll do the talking here. Um just to, <laughs> just to say to Thanks, save you to save you. Uh but go to Jaspers of course. You guys know the drill. Uh, next evolution of the sports bar. And what you expect from the next evolution of the sports bar is to actually provide some Chris- last minute Christmas shopping while watching bowl games. Uh, watching uh, watching one of the best hottest hockey teams in all of Nashville the Nashville Predators we're recording this early in the week so let's hope that's still true <laughs> that's I, I think it, i think let's it'll still be true out.
1: that they'll still be one of the hottest uh teams in Nashville
0: yes yes, yes. yes. sort of like your temperature right now uh yes. so uh go to Jasper's of course swing by that Grab a Go market you can pick up a couple of items there stocking stock- stuffers last minute gift items for uh, whether it's in-laws or significant others, or you know you're going to a, a neighborhood party with some friends and family, your kids' parents need something like that. You need a work party gift. Uh, it is a great place to go. Uh, all kinds of good local businesses in there with like little small stocking stuffers. Perfect. Go to the grab and go market, of course, uh, and obviously great drink specials during Preds games, home and road, and a great place to watch bowl games. If you need to get out of the house, hypothetically, over the course of the next week. And you just need some alone time. The bartenders are quite nice and cordial. Uh, so go sit down. Get yourself some, some nice deep breaths <laughs> away from the holiday madness and not pay for parking. Good, Jaspers. Well done, Steve. Uh, all right. Here was our conversation with uh, the president of the National Sports Council in the Music City Bowl, Scott Ramsey. Scott, always a pleasure to see you, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you this morning? We're, we're doing wonderful. The holidays are always a very busy season for everyone in, in the world, but especially for you, of course. Uh, the TransPerfect Music City Bowl coming up on December 30th. Uh, I just I want to start with the selection process, give everybody a sense of sort of how that takes place in general, but also this year, with very well documented at the ACC, you had to go through some... Some interesting decision-making processes, but sort of explain how the Music City Bowl does this uh, with your relationships with the conference. Uh, Alabama getting in at the last minute, maybe unexpected to some, maybe not to others. What what was that process like for the Music City Bowl?
2: Yeah, you know, it's changed over the years, um, Braden. As we as we've talked throughout the years, it, it's it's very different now than what it was
0: 26 years
2: ago when we started. I mean. Uh, it was easy to describe 26 years ago. It was a draft order, <laughs> you know, and you, you were slotted in with your partner conferences and you picked when it was your turn and, and you moved on. Now it's, uh, it's much more collaborative uh, much, much more of the uh, uh, process is, is really slanted more to the conferences for more of an assignment uh, kind of uh, situation. Um, but, You know, I think for our two partner conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, they're different um, and they run a really parallel track. So to kind of walk everybody kind of through that Sunday of selection, we're really kind of backing up. I mean, those two weeks leading into that Sunday, you know, we as a staff really kind of try to get ready for two or three scenarios normally, because there's some things that could happen. And while some sometimes it's a low percentage, man, you just got to be ready on Sunday afternoon with instantaneous information from tickets, tickets to hotels, to branding, to logos, to press releases. So you really got to be prepared for that. Uh, You throw away about 70% of the work you did for two weeks and (laughs) the one that finally hits, uh, you're ready to go on. So um, kind of walk everybody through kind of how it works is, and it works the same way really for all bulls and each conference has a different process. So after the college football playoff, top 25 comes out. you know the, the top four could impact it, you know, on, on certain contracts, and it did this year on the Orange Bowl for us. But really, it's the it's the New Year's six games, Braden, that that really sets sets the dominoes in in, in motion for the Big Ten and the SEC. So once those games are done, and again with the with the semifinals moving around in, in these first 10 years of the 12-year agreement, each year it's a little different. So You know, for example, had the SEC champion not gotten in the top four there, the champion still guaranteed a spot in the New Year Six game. So there's all that. There's some contractual obligations. And then there's some get in by um, by ranking at the end, which Ole Miss and Penn State were kind of the last two guys in, by the way, the rankings work. So both of those impacted us because that's an SEC and a Big Ten team. So once that's done and those games are set, then we move kind of. Uh, in parallel tracks with, with both conferences. The Big Ten's a little easier to describe as, we pick third there. So it's it's Orlando, it's Tampa, it's Nashville, and, and then Vegas. And, and we share some of that with Vegas since they're only in every other year. But um, there are a couple of triggers there for that. If the Big Ten played in the Orange Bowl this year, the Big Ten was gonna vacate Tampa, so we were gonna slide up and pick second in the Big Ten order. Um, if the sec, which George is in there play, then big 10 was going to fill Tampa. We we're going to pick third. So that's something that we had absolutely no idea what was going to happen until the very end. So, um, you know, that was, that was something we had to wait on and be prepared for the other rule of thumb on the big 10 side is in the six-year agreement, we're in year four of a six-year agreement. None of the bowls can repeat a team more than once. So you've got to have five different big 10 teams in six years. That really helps. And I, I think that's changed over the, the last eight or 10 years that we've gotten a lot better about keeping some fresh destinations because, really, for the most part, you know, you've got NFL stadiums, you've got great cities. And when you start getting repeat years or three out of four, it really gets kind of stale for fans and, and everybody, really. So that's how the Big Ten works. And, and we, were, we knew we were going to kind of have the option of either Wisconsin or Maryland. Tampa took Wisconsin and we went with Maryland. We had just had Northwestern a couple, you know, about four or five years ago. And we never had Maryland. So that's kind of how that fell. On the SEC side, it's a little different. Um, we, again, we waited. Old Miss was kind of on the bubble. Um, and and I, I, I can't speak for the Citrus Bowl. I'm assuming if I was them, I was probably leaning Ole Miss. Uh, if they were available, they got pulled up. So then they had to decide probably LSU, Tennessee, by the way things look. They just had LSU last year. Uh, so, again, they, they went Tennessee there probably just to keep it fresh. Um, And then we go into a pool of six of us, uh, Tampa, Houston, Nashville, Jacksonville, uh, Tampa and Charlotte this year. And they rotate with Vegas. And then what we do is we kind of submit our preferences to the SEC office. They kind of manage that pool. And then what we try to do is we try to avoid a repeat team within a three year window. Can it be done every time? No. No. Um, but for the most part, that's kind of our rule of thumb that we try to kind of follow. So as you kind of look at, at where everybody, who's everybody, where's everybody been, who's everybody looking at, trying to avoid some matchups on the other side. You try to put together the matchup you think's best. So we just had Tennessee and Kentucky the last two years. Probably not going to see them kind of repeat here. And really, Auburn was a team that, uh, that we really kind of aligned with. Um, we got a big alumni base here. We're on a Saturday, one o'clock on ABC this year. Uh, really gave them a chance. A lot of their fans either day trip or come for three nights or two nights or whatever. And, and really kind of helped us on the tourism model, knowing that Maryland had a long trip coming in. So it was a good balance for us. So that's kind of how it works. Ultimately, if there's everybody wanted Auburn, the SEC is going to have to make the decision on on where Auburn's going to go within the pool. Uh, but for the most part, it usually kind of works out.
1: That's Saturday that's Saturday so that's actually really good for Maryland because a lot of those folks can drive over in a day spend a few days here uh, if that had been during the week that might have been that might have been kind of deadly for to have to have somebody off the coast there don't you think
2: yeah I agree Steve you know I, I think over the years when we've seen some some fan bases that are not regional to Nashville wh- which that's a huge leverage and advantage for us geographically uh, but we've had some um, the the Friday, this unusual to be on Saturday because now that we have turf we can kind of get in there but I know the Titans are on the road but a Friday Saturday or Monday game has kind of been the best option for those farther trips uh, whereas the Tuesday Wednesday game seem man we really we've done well with the drive tos the Louisville's the, the Mississippi states the old misses the Auburns the Kentuckys um, where they've really kind of had a chance to kind of come in and out or spend the week I mean it's still around the holiday so, You're right. Uh, You know, one of the things with Maryland, I I hope they bring a great crowd. I know they're working hard on it. Um, Cheap flights from Baltimore to Nashville. Um, You know, they're exciting to watch. Um, You know, I mean, uh, Talia set the uh, Big Ten all-time career passing passing record, and and uh, matching up with Auburn, they're excited about coming. Uh, Obviously, Michael Oxley came from, you know, formerly Georgia and the SEC, so he's familiar with Nashville. So, you know,
0: we're looking forward to it. Yeah, Scott Ramsey now, Maryland Terrapins football history expert now. I like that because <laughs> the uh, you're, you're well, the history of the game has been very successful in terms of the on the field product. It's been a lot of really close football games, entertaining, dramatic games with some star players and some star power. And to your point, you get a really great offense in Maryland that you've never seen before, a really great defense in Auburn with a big brand that's local. I, I think the matchup is, is great. Um, can you try to explain you, you mentioned sort of like 70 percent of the stuff like ends up on the cutting room floor in terms of like all the the preparation you do to sort of get all the logos and the branding and the all that stuff set up. Can you try to explain the scope change, like how the scope of the event has changed since 1997, of course, at Vanderbilt Stadium to today, where uh, not just the, the financial implications and all the stuff you've now packaged around the game, but you and I have talked about this. I'm just curious, like, how many people does it take to put on the event today versus h- how many people it took in 1998 or 99 or 2000?
2: Wow. Um, I, I'm not sure I've ever really thought about it in terms of people, Braden. but you know, it, the, the scope of the game has changed dramatically I, and, and just, I, I mean, and you're more of an expert on this than me, but just look at postseason college football in general uh, back when, you know, there were 18 or 20 bowl games and um, you know, conferences were 10 and 12 members, not 18 and 20 and 16. And, um, you know, it's just changed dramatically. And uh, and certainly the playoff has impacted, um, you know, fans a little bit. I, I think where I feel really bullish on Nashville is I feel like we're such a great destination that people like to come to Nashville for that three or four day trip. Whereas when we started this, it was really hard to kind of get through that marketing h- hurdle of, man, we were expecting if we go to a bowl game, we're going to Miami for a week. We're going to Phoenix for a week. We're going to, um, New Orleans for a week. We're going to Southern California. So wow. You know, to drive. And I think Atlanta kind of fit into that mix too, with the peach bowl as they kind of grew with the ACC SEC to where it was a national game on a regional kind of travel window. And then you saw travel start to kind of change, um, I don't know if that was really kind of a 9-11 kind of residual or just kind of as it got a little bit more into more bowl trips on a regular basis for more teams. Man, that three- or four-day kind of getaway to the Nashvilles of the world fit their, their, their window. And, and then we added the New Year's Eve concert about 10, 12 years ago as a city. So we really kind of targeted that December 30. So strategically, you start thinking about the fans and come in you know, we, we're certainly the battle of bands the night before and Broadway kind of carries the day. And then if you want to stay for New Year's Eve, you can as a fan. If not, if you leave, we can re, we can refill those hotel rooms. So for what started out the business plan in our city of taking the, the slowest week of the year tourism wise. Now it's probably outside CMA Music Fest, one of the top two or three weeks all year long, given those two events. And, you know, I, I think the ticketing models changed which which impacts attendance big time. You know, used to, you'd be able to sell a ticket. And if you had a couple of tickets, you gave them to a friend or you showed up and those tickets were filled. Now those can turn around three or four times in the open market. So it's really hard to kind of push up to 60 or 70,000 people in most cases if, and eh, not really an Auburn fan, not really a Maryland fan. I got, you know, and, I, and just sell them. And so you tend to get more, we haven't seen a big drop in out of town travel, but we have seen a little bit of drop in overall attendance because those local college football fans, if you will, are now picking and choosing more because it's very easy to flip tickets. So it, there's been a mm-hmm. lot of change um, in managing a game um, at the end of the year like that when you don't know your teams until three weeks out. But really, the importance of it for the city has not really gone away. I mean, we've averaged 15 to 20 million in spending. We've you know we're on ABC Sports. We have only three games this year, so we've really ascended up the ladder, and uh, people love the destination. And uh, we think these two conferences are really, uh, really fit as well. And
0: obviously, the most two powerful conferences in college sports. When
1: well, we talked this long, long last answer year, to that... a short question.
0: Well, you, and you did and you and, and, and in typical fashion, didn't answer the question. Like it was four, <laughs> four people in 1997 and now oh. four, and now 400 people in, in, in 2020. Yeah, uh, no, I'm just question. kidding. I'm I just mean, kidding.
2: our staff, yeah, our staff was three or four and, and probably several hundred volunteers. We still use several hundred volunteers. Our staff is 10. So, I mean, you yeah, we've grown, um, the sports council piece has grown as well and um, still a relatively small staff. In terms of the the year-long, the FC basketball and the marathons and the indie cars and the bowl games and all the stuff that we do throughout the year, but uh, uh, we're efficient and um, you know it's been uh, uh, been a great ride for 26 years.
1: When we when we talked last year, they were they were just in the beginning stages of taking a a stadium plan to the council and getting all that stuff approved. Now you know, four years from now, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a brand new facility what's that going to mean for the, what's that going to mean for the bowl? What's that mean? And, and I'm interested in really in kind of like, are you starting to think about that place as you're executing events now and kind of like what the, what the capabilities are and what you're going to be able to do as a host?
2: Uh, absolutely. We've been thinking about it for over a year, Steve, to be honest with you. I mean, it's uh, it's first and foremost on my, uh, on my list of things as we, we really kind of think about the pipeline of events and what that's going to impact for the city. Um, it's funny you say four years because we just had our, our our board of directors meeting and we we kind of reviewed the first four years of the six-year agreement. And to think about where we were when we, when we finished the six-year agreement with the SEC and the Big Ten, we've had COVID, we've had a canceled year, we've had a downtown bombing, we've had a new stadium, a 12-team playoff, massive uh, uh, expansion of conferences. <laughs> Uh, you know, I i mean, just stuff that you you could just stack on top of each other that you no way to anticipate. But we can anticipate now the new stadium and what those doors will open up for us on. And it'll really allow us to compete for events. I mean, everybody thinks automatically you build a stadium. You get them. We, we're certainly bullish that we think we'll get them, but you've got to compete. I mean, every other city wants them as well. So, you know, I, I think for us in, in college football for today's discussion really is about. We want to be in the starting blocks, ready to pursue whatever's available to pursue. And I say that because we're still waiting on the CFP to get some decisions to be made on when they're going to play the championship game. <laughs> well, if you need the convention center for 10 days and 12,000 hotel rooms in the building for this, and we got to raise X number of money, kind of need to know when the game is. <laughs> so we think we're, we know, but we don't really know until they get their media rights deal done and 26 and beyond kind of gets there. We're kind of viewing twenty-four and five a little bit as a bridge in 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 the bowl world a little bit here. Not sure how all this realignment's going to work. And I'll give you an example. It's not Nashville, but I think it 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 goes to the the comment and that if you're San Antonio and you got the first pick in the Pac-12, what do you do in the next two years here? And you've already got Valero signed up, you got ESPN signed up, you got your conferences. But more importantly, if you're the Big Twelve, who you playing? So <laughs> that
1: means you got Oregon State one year and Washington well, State yeah. the other year, and
2: you're done. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got four games. So they can only <laughs> fill two of them, I guess. So, you know, so I, I think we're really going to be in a transitional period here to really reset postseason football. I like where we are in Nashville. We have a new stadium. We got a destination. We're easy to get to. Um, people like coming here. Uh, I think we've really built our reputation that we host and do events well. Um, and um, we're waiting on, on the opportunities to, to be presented. Is that just a championship game? Can we compete for a semi, a quarter? Can we, are they going to really stay on campus, the first-round games, or are those games going to expand? When are they going to be? We don't know. So I think we're ready to go, um, but um, we don't know what we're going for and when yet.
0: Uh, let's say let's i mean you and i've had a long conversation about this scott i recommend everybody going back and checking out you and i talked at media days about all those different dynamics so we're not going to rehash all of that but if you want to hear that go back and and (laughs) listen to it um back in july but let's just say hypothetically and i think it's fair to assume that nashvillians are like look the stadium gets built we're investing in this building we're going to get some big events that's sort of the reason there's a roof on it and the reason the state has committed 500 million dollars to help it all So let's just assume hypothetically that this is coming. Stuff, stuff is coming. Is the the you, you mentioned one of the dynamics to think through, which is like the Music City Bowl in in where it's located, right near the end of the regular uh the, the calendar year versus a championship game, which is probably a week, maybe two weeks later. So maybe that's an easier target. Is there is the right order of operations to think through as a fan to say, look, it's probably a championship game versus a regular quote unquote playoff game because it's timeline wise it's easier to acquire versus turning the music city bowl into one of those playoff games and then is it easier to think that that is a dry run for a super bowl or is it the other way around because the NFL tends to put super bowls into brand new stadiums not the first year but maybe the second year or the third year of a new building what's the right like how are they all thinking about this when they make decisions assuming that of course we've got the infrastructure and everybody wants to come here
2: well, uh, good question. You know, I, I think specifically to the bowl, I, I think I think there's a lot of um, a lot of forks in the road on the traditional bowl model that we have now, SEC, Big Ten. If if let let let's say the the first round games go to neutral sites as as a discussion point in the middle of December. Now, remember that that's a game there there is not a coach in the world going to come for three or four days and do a bunch of events and let their kids run down Broadway and then try to win a game to advance <laughs> and win a national championship. So we know that. So if, if let, let's say they go neutral site and Nashville competes for one and gets one. The, one of our question is, if we do compete and get one of those, whether it's on a permanent or rotating basis, could you play a game on Saturday, December 15th? and then come back with our traditional bowl game two weeks later. Yeah, we think we can. We think we can. If you compete for a quarter and semi, and those are going to be preset probably for a six-year, eight-year, four-year, whatever the contract for the media rights is done, then that's going to probably kick out the traditional bowl because the dates overlap, 31 and one I don't, you're not going to get ready to run a game on 29 or 30 and then run a game two days later. Right. I just don't see the infrastructure or or even the, the CFP folks wanting to do that. So I think that's a question. But those might not be bid out. They might take the New Year Six guys and just kick them out. We don't right. know. Now, if you do compete for the national championship game, that is super bullish. Whereas that's going to rotate around the country. We know it. You hope you get one in the six-year window, whatever. One of the things we're doing internally, Braden, is really thinking about how you sequence those. And I'm not sure there's a dry run because I think you would know kind of your sequencing of a men's final four, a championship game, a super bowl in advance. But, you know, I think you've got to spread those out enough to have the infrastructure and the security and the police and the fundraising and the ops and all that to where the city um, can can successfully host each one without kind of too much overlap. So you know, I think that's what we're kind of thinking through a little bit. Um, and again, we're we feel like kind of like a track kind of meet. We're, we're in the starting blocks, so we're, we're waiting for the gun to go off and know what we're,
0: we're running after. So um, but that's kind of how we're thinking about it today. It, it, is it rational to think that the NFL people want to see the other stuff executed? I mean, it's not like you guys haven't proven yourself over 25 years as a city yeah. that you're very capable of this
2: yeah i don't i don't think so i i i haven't got a sense from that from from the titans you know via the nfl from the titans yet or, or even the the cbc who's you know it, it's a massive th- these events are more than one entity kind of chasing you right. know, this is a city citywide deal i mean it's private sector it's the it's the venue it's the it's a professional team it's metro it's the state it's the hospitality industry i mean it it, they're they're citywide so i I haven't gotten the feel that boy we're waiting to see which domino falls first i think i think some of it's just kind of general scheduling to your point some of the questions really about the major events that that we have kind of internally a little bit is is can you sequence up the east bank development around the stadium timeline so you're you know, you, you say you want to wait a couple of years and the NFL typically does and make sure that the venue operations are really kind of running smoothly. But more importantly, what's it look like outside? Because you need a massive media center. You need some hospitality for corporate. You got fans walking in there. And if it's a mud hole with a bunch of, bunch of cranes there between, you know, the pedestrian bridge and the stadium, that's eh, not going to be a good look on the city or for the event. So, yeah. You know, I think some of that right now is sequencing up that between the stadium construction and that first phase, which is that infrastructure land around the stadium. So I don't I don't really know. And in all seriousness, I really don't know what the sequence is going to be. I, I know we're looking at a final four kind of out in the early 30s. So that probably on the backside of these other two, if, we, if we're lucky enough to get all three in yep. um, and, and also college football and a little bit at the NFL as well, as much as they they say they don't geographically kind of rotate intentionally, they rotate geographically. (laughs) So we we know that with the next couple championship games, go Houston, Atlanta, Miami, probably 27 is going to probably go west, you would think, logically. And I'm just saying that I have no, you know, I'm not putting, I, I don't know anything for a fact, but I mean, logically you think it's got to go a little west. So that opens up 20, 29, 30 kind of in that window but that's also probably when the nfl is looking so at some point we're going to have to kind of uh, make some decisions on yours as a
1: city when when you're looking at at super bowls right now uh and and there have been some new facilities that have kind of come on is there anything that you've been paying attention to thinking well we're going to have you know we're going to have this we're going to have this this dome facility we're going to be able to do some 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 kind of interesting things what do you what have what have you seen when new facilities have come online here in the last ten years? Uh, thinking about thinking about what a Super Bowl is going to be here, or could be here.
2: Yeah, a good question, Steve. I, I I'd like to kind of punt that one when you're talking facility specific to the Titans. I mean, they've just been much more on the interior of hey, does it look like a legion? Does it look like this, and how you do it? But we we you know I think. I think historically, if you look at the events we've hosted in Nashville, we, we've made it kind of Nashville stuff. The NHL All-Star Game, we, we changed that whole model and added an outdoor event, made two games into an event. <laughs> uh, the NFL draft really wasn't a game at all, but we made it a massive event. Uh, the SC basketball, I think we've done a good job making it a downtown atmosphere event. Same with the bowl. So I, I, think, I think when you look at the events of that, of that scope and stature, we're thinking more about, man, we have got a unique situation that we have a campus downtown with a hugely worldwide successful downtown entertainment district connectivity via foot to the arena, the stadium Mm -hmm. and via foot to the convention center and via foot to the arena. And so we can really create some things in a compact zone. Now, operationally, that that sometimes makes it even more challenging from a security standpoint because you got people so jammed in there. So, you know, when you look at the NFL and you start thinking about security plans, even for the draft, I mean, that was was a challenge when you've got people packed in there. If something happened, how do you get to them? So, you know, I think there's a lot of things that kind of work through, and that's why you usually have a four, five, six-year kind of planning cycle. You know, sometimes people just think, oh, hey, we're, you know, pick it next year and roll the balls out, but (laughs) it's just not quite that easy. Oh, it's not. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: I wish it was. Well, well maybe uh, I
2: don't because I probably wouldn't have a job.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Auburn and Maryland, of course, uh, in the Music City Bowl this year. Give everybody sort of a layout of the schedule of of, of events that week for for local folks who want to get involved and go enjoy the festivities, and, and certainly go where they can buy tickets. Cause sort of give everybody a layout of of how that weekend's going to play out.
2: Yeah, uh, MusicCityBowl.com is the best website to jump to. It gives you the schedule of events. Uh, always the night before the game, which will be the 29th this year, uh, we'll have battle of bands and a party downtown. It's our fan night, if you will. Uh, the two nights leading into it, the teams are here usually for three. The teams are um, got some great events from them planned at, at Gaylord Opryland Hotel, which hosts both teams. Uh, now you got an indoor water park at Soundway. As we do a Jeff Jarrett does a wrestling event for him. Actually, puts up a rink and. Uh, we we include some uh, veteran groups and military support groups uh, in that night, um, and uh, you know, and then we take the administrators to where uh, you'd like to see Nashville dinner on the stage at the Grand Ole Opry and the, the coaches' wives to the Bluebird, and uh, but more <laughs> importantly, I think from a fan standpoint, the, the tailgate, the one o'clock kick on ABC, beautiful day for college football. Um, you know, come be a part of it. Uh, downtown, the Battle of the Bands, the college bands will be on Broadway around 6 o'clock on Friday night, and uh, Broadway will be Broadway.
0: There you go. Scott, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate
2: Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. See you Steve. See you Braden. Merry Christmas. You too. Merry
1: Christmas.
0: That was Scott Ramsey of the Music City Bowl and of course, the National Sports Council. I, we had a long conversation I did with him back at SEC Media Days in July. And if you want to really dive into the the depths of why like home site bowl games in the college football playoff is a, is an issue and why there's sticking points, um, he explained it extremely well. I still don't like it, but he did a great job explaining it. Uh, but the news that, that that's in there, and I don't think this is necessarily earth shattering, but it is interesting that in the early 2030s we can expect to have a Final Four. Uh, is sort of what he alluded to there. And then that 28, uh, 27, 28, 29 is when we could get a college football national championship game. I have been told by many people, Steve, not just Scott, that we are going to get a college football national championship game before we get a playoff game in, in the college world, because they don't want to move the Music City Bowl off of its current date for the community and for obvious financial reasons. Uh, but the championship game being later, uh, past the, the the new year part of the calendar, gives them a lot of freedom. Bill Hancock told me personally that even an outdoor stadium puts us right on the weather line, so to speak, that that we're sort of, you know, we're not quite good enough weather, but we're not bad enough to sort of on the line, which means if we have a roof stadium, which is going to happen, we are, I believe we are guaranteed a college football national championship. The question is, and I tried to pin Scott down there in the interview and he didn't really have an answer for it because I don't think anyone knows, is whether or not that is Coming before the Super Bowl or not, it's going to go west probably in 26, uh, and that means we can look at 28, 29 when it rotates geographically through the country to come back to this part of the country. I, I will all but guarantee us a college football national championship in the first five years of the new stadium.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely true. And one of one of the factors that's going to be playing into this too, and kind of like when we like how we are in the rotation of of the national championships is going to be when a lot of these uh uh conference tv deals start sunsetting in you know right after the beginning of the next decade and i think that's going to determine a lot about where nashville's place is in all of this
0: yep we know wwe already like committed openly like hey if you bring a stadium we're coming to Nashville WrestleMania or whatever the heck it is. I'm not I'm not yeah. going to pretend I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but it makes a lot of money and it's a big sporting event that a lot of people care about. Um, but again, I, I'm curious what you think. in in general, my, my assumption is, is that because the national championship game isn't nearly as big as the Super Bowl that. The NFL wants to see the stadium up and working, right? They want the infrastructure working. They want to make sure all the kinks the first year of the stadium are are, are worked out from like a football standpoint, just from an NFL standpoint, which Scott alluded to. But it, it strikes me as you get the national championship game, let's say in 2028, it is not nearly as big as the Super Bowl from a scope of an execution of an event standpoint. It does strike me as a perfect dry run to then come back a year or two years later and say look here's the super bowl nashville and ultimately i think that is the 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 white whale of this entire 2.1 billion dollar project
1: and and something to be determined here too is kind of what the pace of development is with the east bank if if that is progressing at a similar pace uh i I think the nfl is going to be pretty pretty stoked to put a super bowl in here quickly uh if If the if the East Bank is a giant construction zone post stadium, they may wait a bit. They may wait a bit before before doing it. Uh,
0: The first phase, for those that don't know, phase one of the East Bank development involves, uh, uh, I want to say it's what is that 110 acres around the stadium? It's like the first chunk um, uh, or maybe it's just maybe it's 30 acres. Maybe I'm way off on that. It's it's the first chunk, 30 acres around, which is like James Robertson Parkway. Down to the to the Korean Veterans Bridge, and then all the way down to the river between the 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 state the interstate and the and the state in the uh, river. That would involve green space and parking and hotels and entertainment district. Uh, hopefully, the beginnings of a transit hub somewhere north of the stadium, uh, ideally. But it, all of that could be done for a college football national championship game, if all of that that first phase is complete, which the mayor's office has said it's going to be a mad dash an unprecedented type of timeline to get all of that finished by 2027 when the stadium opens but that that's what they're kind of forced to do. If they can just push that construction north the, north up the river, just a couple, I don't know what, 10, 20, 30, 40 acres and just kind of get the transit thing set up so that people can kind of get back and forth across the river, that's when I can see by 2030 let's say, 2029, that's when I think you can start to see the NFL say, all right, you've got you've done enough, you've pushed the construction far enough up the river you've got enough around the stadium to be tv worthy and sponsor worthy and celebrity worthy and that that's when you could see the the switch being flipped and saying all right let's go nashville you got a super bowl
1: yeah and and typically the super bowl is scheduled i think it's a minimum of 4 years out and so you know it, it, we we may not know on this for a while yep yep i i
0: think we're a couple of years away from knowing that we have the college football national championship. And I think we're a couple of more years away after that from the Super Bowl, but the final four is much smaller. And it sounds like Scott Ramsey is pretty confident that the final four is coming in the early 2030s. So, uh, also that would kind of fit in and line up with a post college football national championship game as well. So uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening on the East bank. Let's just hope there's some green space, affordable housing and transit going into that giant 162 acre piece of property over there. <laughs> it's it's going to cost a lot more than just the 2.1 billion, by the way, for the Titan stadium. So music city bowl though, Auburn and Maryland a new, a new team. We've never seen Maryland and Auburn travels very well. So it should be good for the city and uh music city bowl. Tickets are available. Go down there for battle of the band. Uh, do the whole deal, man. It's a great, it's a great event. Always a good game to go to always fun. So music city bowl folks, go check it out.
1: I'm excited. Uh, I I went to the last Auburn game uh, when they were, uh, I think, it was Auburn Purdue. Um, w- w- was a ton of fun. Again, they bring a they bring a huge crowd. Uh, it should be a good game.
0: Yep, it should be. And Maryland's great offense. As I do love listening to Scott Ramsey, like all of a sudden become like a maryland terrapins expert i, I know think that's great I, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> awesome that's called doing your job well uh thank you to scott for joining us of course have a great holiday go to jaspers everybody uh, make sure you swing by there. great stocking stuffers in the grab a go market also just a great place to go eat and uh, you'll never pay for parking the game room's free great place to let off some steam if you need to get out of the in-laws house or get away from the kids or whatever just swing by over there and and hang out and uh easy parking easy access to interstates Traffic, actually, I love it This these two weeks of the year. I like staying in town because there's no traffic. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so go to Jasper's, everybody. NationalBanner.com. Sign up for good journalism there as well. Uh, Steve and your staff, you guys doing a great job over there as well. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, the Festivus for the rest of us, whatever it is you celebrate. Have a great one. Uh, Steve, where can people follow you? I just need the one word.
1: At Scavendish shit, that was two.
0: You can get to me at BradenGall Gall on twitter.com and on Blue Sky as well. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Enjoy the Christmas holiday. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week with our Naval Gazing 2023 episodes of the year. We're going to rank you media egomaniacs on next week's episode. It's going to be great. Uh, always look forward to that one. So for Steve, I am Braden. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.